0: Hey, it's Ryan Doyle from TDR's Guaranteed Money. Should athletes be able to wager on the sports that they play? Jason Falovich will be here from Leverage Game Media. And of course, all of our picks for the big conference tournaments in NCAA basketball. That and more as Guaranteed Money gets rolling. And welcome to TDR's Guaranteed Money Podcast. Let's drop the legal stuff right out of the gate today because, man, we have a lot of of things to talk about. All views on the Guaranteed Money Podcast and the guests on this podcast are purely opinion. You should not treat any opinions expressed by us or our guests as gambling or investment advice. And the views on this podcast are solely intended to be informational and not investment advice. Boom, probably a record. Millennial entrepreneur Anthony Verrill, good to see you, sir. It's been a while.
1: Good good to see you. Yeah, it was in new york last week uh
0: raising capital for my nft project so it's good to be back
1: in the uh back in the studio and uh let's get into
0: it now you're going to tell us a little bit about that project you're being a little coy now which i totally understand but later on down the road we'll have a conversation about it because it it talks about a lot of the things and dives into a lot of the things we discuss here. Jason Falovich is going to be here. He's the co-founder of at NFT, at Playline, uh, Leverage Game Media. He's partners with Mark Cuban uh, in the NFT space. We're going to talk a little bit about Playline and what they do in the sports space. Uh, So that's still to come. But the big question out of the gate today, and we want to hear your feedback and your reaction on our comments. Should professional athletes be allowed to wager on sports? Now, it could be sports that they they don't play in, meaning an NHL player p- puts a bet on in the NFL, fairly innocuous shit. Or we could be talking about somebody betting on their own sport. Remember back in the day, Pete Rose in baseball, except gambling back yeah. then gambling back yeah. then was illegal. Here we have, and I think that this is just as much a sports wagering story as it is a business story, uh, especially in this space. Falcons wide receiver oh, yeah. Calvin Ridley suspended indefinitely through the 2022 season for betting on NFL games. He bet $1,500 in parlays, Uh, he's going to miss out on, you know, well over a million bucks. That's a shitty parlay proposition. By the way, Calvin, uh, the guy was out of state. He was in Georgia. Apparently he had a a Florida betting app. I think it was the hard rock app that he had on his phone, used his own phone, which I think is just boneheaded, uh, doesn't have, you remember back in the day, Chris Carter caught a lot of flack for saying, you've got to have a fall guy. He told all the NFL rookies, go get a fall guy. Don't put the bet on yourself, Calvin. You have to have a fall guy, but Anthony, when we look at the bigger picture and we kind of, you know, step back from all of this, this is exactly what the NFL didn't want when they started to cozy up with sports wagering companies. But here we are.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a slippery slope. I mean, I'm, I'm a proponent of like the rules are the rules to an extent. But I mean, the rules are just not the rules are antiquated. The rules need to change. Um, the rules need to fall in line with what's legal, what trends are out there, and what people are actually capable of doing. I think there should be a rule that, in totality, you cannot bet on your own team. Um, probably even not bet in your own division um, per se. Or I would even take it further as you can't bet at your own sport. But wagering on anything else, whether I'm a football player and I want to lay some money on the Miami Heat, I want to bet on Conor McGregor. Um, I mean, I don't. I think that's that's benign, and they should be allowed to do that. But, I mean, there needs to be updated rules, and I think suspending him indefinitely is, is bullshit. It's not like he bet on his own game. It's not like he bet on himself. Um, there was nothing that he did that was nefarious when it was it was against the rules as they stand today. But I could guarantee you they're probably going to amend those rules and put some new framework in line, which they probably would adhere with tomorrow. So, I mean, I'm curious to see how this really Transpires. I don't really think he's going to be suspended for the entirety of the 2022 season. Um, I hope he doesn't, as he was high on the prospect list potentially to potentially come into the Dolphins. Um, but that's we'll, we'll we'll see
0: how it goes. You also have the fact, you know, you mentioned the idea he didn't bet on himself or on his own team. He wasn't playing at the time. He was off. Yeah, he wasn't. He you know he had a mental health issue. That he was taking care of. He was getting some rest. He was getting the help he needed. Uh, he put down some bets. I'm with you. I'm a rules or rules guy. But the rules also have to be comparable, meaning the punishment has to fit the crime here. Yeah, Ray Rice, I mean, no, Ray Rice knocked a woman out in an elevator, and the commissioner gave him a couple yeah. of games in a suspension. Calvin Ridley bet while he wasn't playing in the NFL. I'm not saying he shouldn't have any punishment, but let's like this is a, these are apples and oranges punishments to crimes here that don't seem to don't seem to jive i think you're right the nfl is going to have to figure this out on the gambling front because yeah. this is antiquate this is an old school punishment for a, something that is now legal that is you know the nfl takes money from
1: oh yeah i mean i think it's going to be i think the rules are going to be amended and something will happen in this ruling before the end of the season i'd be very very surprised if they stick to this they don't touch any of the framework around wagering and athletes whatsoever. And they suspend him for the entirety of the 2022 season. I don't see that really happening. That's it's
0: it's crazy, um, to be honest. Does it go the other way at all? Because from a business point of view, I mean, you could make the argument that this is what the Puritans, this is what people who didn't want sports wagering uh, around were talking about the whole time. Do we see a walk back? Do we see the NFL say, OK, we've got one guy, very well-known wide receiver, Perhaps we don't want those partnerships. Maybe, maybe government ha- comes in and says, Well, this is what we, you know, we warned you about. Perhaps we walk back this sports wagering industry, or is the genie just out of the bottle?
1: I don't think so. The genie's out of the bottle. Um, and I mean, maybe I'm more disciplined than other people, but if I'm an athlete, I'm not fucking betting. Like, what does $1,500 matter to him? He makes $12 million a year. Like, it's plain and sure. simple. If I'm an athlete and I've got my, my, my livelihoods on the line for simple things, like I'm not smoking weed, I'm not betting on games, like just because things are illegal, but they're still against the guidelines that you need to adhere to, to be a professional in your industry, adhere to them. It's not that hard. There's no way that he found some entertainment for betting $1,500 like that doesn't do anything for him.
0: Okay, but athletes are going to athletes are not you know, this is not the first guy who's who's launched into the world of Jack Wagonry, even though he's got a a massive salary. This is a guy who, you know, is just one of many who have made stupid decisions when you're right. When it's stupid, your your career's on the line, stupid,
1: stupid, stupid decisions get stupid results. I mean, it's granted while I do think that the punishment's not warranted, the rules are antiquated. I mean, just don't do it if you know that the rules are that serious and it's something that you should not be doing, don't do it. Like I don't insider trade. I don't look (laughs) for insider information. I know that if I do do that, it's going to have direct recourse against my professional career and against something I'm going to get fucked. Like it's a simple, it's from where I'm sitting. I mean, I know I'm taking a pretty practical approach to this and it's pretty black and white where everything's gray. But if I'm working in an environment and they tell me, hey, do not you're not allowed to wager, you're not allowed to sports bet, even though it is legal due to your occupation, there is recourse. I'm not betting like it's it, it really is that easy.
0: Drop us a comment. Let us know what you think. Should athletes be allowed to wager on their own games? Should they be allowed to wager within their own leagues? Or should wagering be something that is kept outside of the world in which they play and operate? This is a great segue because Connor McDavid, probably one of the most recognizable hockey players on the face yeah. of the earth. Uh, he is the first active athlete in any sport to partner with a sports book. And I wonder now, with the, like this could not be worse. The NHL, I think, comes out with the the best announcements yeah. and best intentions at the worst possible time. So now yep. you've got your star player. Who's now associating himself with sports wagering? Will he be one of the last? It's a tough one. I don't.
1: Th- I don't think so. I think there's too much money in all of this stuff. I mean, I think you can get smart guys to be. Like I said, you can have guys that are spokesmen for these teams. You are for these companies. You have guys that can endorse these companies because, I mean, not only is it from a wagering perspective, but also, by the way. Go buy me in daily fantasy sports, go inter- engage with my likeness across multiple arenas, go buy my NFT on the DraftKings marketplace. Um, so there's a multi-pronged approach to it. But I, I can bet you damn well he's not going to bet on games because he knows that, that's, that he just can't do that. But at the same time, like I think he can absolutely endorse it and leverage his likeness and leverage his platform to provide brand awareness and marketing. For the company, yeah, I mean, I think there are guys that are disciplined enough to do that. And I don't think that this is the only one you're going to see. I think you're going to see way more guys uh, get into the mix.
0: Two major companies looking to get into the mix, ESPN and Yahoo. Let's talk uh, talk a little bit about ESPN first. I remember the days where ESPN was the shit. They were top of the mountain. Uh, they were this cable this cable sports network. Uh, They were the little engine that could. They did everything right. They ticked the right boxes. They promoted themselves in the right way. They were hip. They were edgy. Uh, No guy I know missed SportsCenter. It was must-see TV back in the day. Then everybody yeah. seemingly passed them. They were they became the broken down car on the highway where they just couldn't get anything right. They lost big name talent. They made, you know, they zigged the wrong way when everybody zagged the correct way. Now it seems their parent company, Disney, uh, wants to get into sports betting a little further. They took a little nibble, a little taste of DraftKings. Is this just an, another effort for this company to try to make themselves relevant all over again? Because it feels again, like they're just starting the engine and everybody's three laps, four laps around them on the track.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a function of them rolling into Disney. Like they lost their edge. Like they used to make the best sports center, had the best commercials on television. Sure. Like th- thinking back on like my childhood, like the one with Arnold Palmer in the cafeteria. I just watched that the other day. That- he's
0: got the lemonade, yeah. the iced tea. Correct. <laughs> Correct. (laughs) And then you've got
1: Bouchergross and whoever it was. They're like, that was like amazing. Or the other one where someone's getting in the elevator and then the New Jersey devil is sitting in there and he's like going down and they just like, don't get in the elevator. Those commercials were amazing. Like when they had LeBron James going around the office, like those stopped and those personalities left. But I also think it's a function of like the personalities now have a platform outside of ESPN. So they don't necessarily need ESPN. They can build their own podcasts. They can build their own brands. They can build their own ecosystems and they're going to be better off for it. They're not going to be censored. They can do what they want and they're also going to benefit from it a lot more monetarily. Um, ESPN was just one of the direct, I guess, I mean, the ESPN anchors were one of the direct beneficiaries of the creators sure. being able to harness their own brand equity uh, moving forward and they lost a hell of a lot of talent. Um, I think they also lost a lot of talent to Fox. Um and a lot of other uh, a lot of other networks that were willing to pay them more. And I mean, like you saw Bill Simmons uh left ESPN. Colin Coward um, countless great example. Yeah, Colin Coward, like the big boys. Yeah. Big boys have all left um ESPN and they've suffered for it. Um I don't know if it's a full byproduct of, of Disney or them, I guess, crafting the narrative, because I mean Disney's always been very protective of the shield and ESPN can definitely have some controversial stuff and controversial personalities. But I don't think they're going to get it back. Um, anybody that's worth a damn is is at barstool or has their own podcast or builds their own audience. Um, yeah, nowadays when, you don't have to be on
0: SportsCenter. Center. When it comes to sports wagering as well, you're you're coming in now at a time where the pool is already packed. The market is they're already oversaturated. Killed. Yeah, I just I just don't see the upside. But again, I feel like this is the it's the sixty five year old man in the boardroom that doesn't understand. But finally, somebody you know somebody you know, his kids showed him a blog about sports wagering. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah. let's steer ESPN that way. Everybody's doing it. I'm not sure. Sh- I you mean, know, not everybody needs to be in that space. Not everybody needs to be in this pool.
1: No, I think the only way that Disney does something is if they can master in-game wagering. If they have in-game wagering, like on-screen wagering and on, on their games, because I mean, they do have a ton of content True. Um, around that, even though I do think they're losing the NFL, um, in a couple of years to, to Fox and ABC and Amazon. They're, uh, yeah, Amazon. That's right. Say Amazon. Yeah. But they're um, if they can do some th- something in game or something interactive uh, with their consumers, then sure. But I mean, anything short of putting a massive sports book in the Magic Kingdom, um, <laughs> I don't really know what's wh- how they're going to get into the space and, and, and gain market
0: share. Make it just book seems in like Cinderella's a, like a castle.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean now now you're going to get all the all, all all the dads that are sitting there walking around. They go take a break at the sports book.
0: And uh, in the wide world of sports at Disney, could you imagine? Are you are you sure? Seriously, you give me plus 300 on Duke this weekend. Come on, Pinocchio. You're full of shit. You're full of shit.
1: Speaking of speaking of Duke, how bad do you feel for the people that drop five G's on those tickets just to
0: watch Duke get their ass whipped by an unranked North Carolina team? You know, it's interesting you say that because I was watching the game thinking to myself, was I, did I just totally whiff on this game? And that's before the game started, because I told you, I said, you know, Duke's probably going to blow this team out of the water. The closer we got and we didn't, you know, we didn't have an episode in between me saying that and the game itself. The closer I got to the game, I'm thinking this Duke team's going to be tight. You've got all sorts of former players out there that are sitting in the stands. You've got, you know, it's Coach K, but Coach K isn't playing the game. And this is a North Carolina team. If you go back a few episodes, I think it's episode number eight of Guaranteed Money. I talk a lot about how North Carolina could upset in the ACC tournament. So I don't know why I got that wrong, but I fucked it up completely. And you're right. Imagine sitting there thinking like, I paid good money for this. I'd be so pissed. Like $5,000 at the Super Bowl ticket. Yeah. I
1: mean, granted, the energy there was probably amazing. Like it was an iconic thing to see. Coach K's last game, blah, blah, blah. But just getting beat. By an unranked rival um that's pretty much like worst case scenario
0: uh sports betting also saw the largest expansion in sponsorship in sponsorship in media deals for the second year in a row at a 83 percent increase cryptocurrency the most searched category by nfl executives on a platform called sponsor united (laughs) does that shock you at all that that's what nfl execs are trying to tap into and trying to have a look at because i'm guessing they don't have a full understanding they certainly don't have a level of understanding that you have but I can only picture like these guys in the, the C-suites all sitting there with their, <laughs> with their laptops trying to figure out exactly where to head.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to become there's going to become a point in time where, I mean, the market share is just going to get eaten up like everybody can't have a piece of crypto. Um, it doesn't need to infiltrate everything from sports, to entertainment to just, just everything. I mean, art, it's like Art Basel this year was all NFTs. There was nothing about art. There's nothing. It was fucking NFTs and crypto. Um, and it's a, it's a traditional art festival. Um, I mean, I think sports is great. I think the naming rights on the FTX arena and the crypto.com arena is great. But like every sports team does not need to go find a Coinbase or a Candy Digital or a Topshop. But will they? Um, but will they? Yeah, they'll probably find a way. I mean, they're, they're definitely going to find a way. But I mean, the way that they're going to find it is that ticketing is going to go into NFTs. So I mean, Live Nation at a conference I was at in late 2021, came out and said in 2023, all of their ticketing is going to be NFT based. It's not no longer going to be paper tickets or digital tickets. You're literally going to buy an NFT. And if you want to sell that, you can transfer it to whoever um, via the blockchain, um, which is easier. And then also you actually get to keep it in your wallet after the fact. So, I mean, you have, you have the preserved ticket Um, sports teams are going to do that as well. So if you, if if you have that NFT from your sports team as the ticketing uh, event, if that's in your wallet, that sports team can then airdrop or communicate with you on an ongoing basis because all they need to do is take a snapshot and they literally will see everyone's wallets in real time of of who's holding the tickets. They can send them cards. They can send them memorabilia. They can send them pretty much anything. That is your lifeline into your audience. Um, So I do think they're going to get more integrated into the blockchain, but I don't think they're all just going to be craving these crypto uh, sponsorships.
0: All right. We're going to we're going to talk to Jason Falovich in just a second. Co-founder at NFT Playline, Leverage Game Media. Also, don't forget, uh, drop a comment. If you could let us know if you think pro athletes should be wagering on their own sports or on sports in general. And of course, we're going to come back. We're also going to talk a little bit about March Madness and the conference tournaments. I've got three plays locked in. I locked them in this morning. Uh, we'll see what Anthony thinks about that in a whole lot more in just moments. And you're watching Guaranteed Money. You know what I love? I love when people keep their word. And that's the best thing you can do in any environment, whether it's business, uh, mainstream media, crypto, NFTs. I hit this guy up uh, doing an AMA. He was saying, no, ask me, ask me anything. And I said, hey, listen, I'm a guy in Toronto. I'm based in Toronto. I cover off crypto. I cover off NFTs. I cover off sports wagering. Would you come on and give me 15 minutes of your time? Jason Falovich, co-founder at NFT, Playline, Leverage Game Media. He kept his word and he's on the podcast. It's good to have you, man.
2: I don't usually keep my word, though. No, I'm joking. I, I keep my word, <laughs> and I respect your hustle because I don't do podcasts very, free, very rarely. I get asked a lot. I do it like once a month, maybe. So um, I also got to support my my Torontonians, uh, and I love gambling, sports wagering, kind of like NFT a bit. So. <laughs> I'm here, brother. Thanks for having me.
0: You're our guy. I mean, now listen, since you've been kind enough to give us some time to talk a little bit about things, let's talk about Playline first off, because I'm fascinated by the product. I love the app. I think it's it's very user friendly. It's a smart and different way to wager on sports in a lottery type system. What made you come up with this idea, and why did you think there was a need for it?
2: It's a great question, actually. No one usually asks me that uh, when I start a podcast. It's usually NFT and NFT, NFT. So, you know, I like that uh, you did your homework and Playline, man, that, that's like my baby. That's kind of where everything started. Um, it's got to be about six, seven years now we started Playline. Yeah, probably five or six years we started Playline. And, um, you know, we love fantasy sports. We love sports betting. When I say we, we myself and my partners. Um, and I was working at a company. I was a president of a digital television network. And myself, you know, I was I a was first employee there. And then the second employee, which was... Aaron Nebraska is my current partner in Playline and 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 the team and so on. You know, We were like the talent in this company. And we realized like we don't want to build someone else's dream. Like, we want to do what we love. And you know, we live once. So we took a shot and bent ourselves. And we kept trying to figure out, like, what are we going to do? Like, what, what type of business do we want to start? And we just kept going back to our passion, which was sports, gambling, and sports. Back then, DraftKings and FanDuel owned the space, 99.9% owned. And everyone was getting out of the space at that point because there was a lot of legal issues. And it was just, you know, space was evolving. And and it was just it was was a tough time for fantasy sports, if you remember, for five, six years ago. And everyone's like, you're you're fucking crazy for getting into um, fantasy sports, given the nature of the industry. But, like, we loved it. And we just followed our heart. We followed our passion, and, and we, we set out there to create a simplified game um, that could appeal to everybody, not just the hardcore fans who play FanDuel and DraftKings. And that's a, kind of how we came up with Playline. Essentially, you know, was a sports lottery, um, and all you need to do is predict player stats. How many points will LeBron score today? I mean, anyone and in, in the mothers can, can answer that question, right? Putting a FanDuel team together, it's a little bit different of a of a, of a process and a lot more technical so you know we grew to, the, to be the largest sports lottery in the world and and you know that was our baby and we love you know we started that with myself and Nebraska and I told you about um the former UFC champ of the world Michael Bisping, Michael Bisping also yeah. my best friends and yeah another one of my best buddies Roy Hibbert if you remember him two-time NBA um all-star actually drafted by the Raptors. I don't know if you knew that one. (laughs) Yeah. You probably did. (laughs) Yeah, With the Lakers behind you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that, you know, that,
0: that was a, that's a Shaq gift from way back in the day, but yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a Raptors diehard just as much. So when the Raptors start sending gifts my way, I'll put them up on the wall. I promise you that. But yeah, I mean, you you started it with, with these guys and you had that their support, when you when you look now, I mean, you look at how popular prop bets are, for example, and that's basically, you know, nailing down that number. Where does something like Playline fit into that narrative and into that model now that that has become so popular and everybody's Instagram feed uh, seemingly is, is covered
2: with player props and, and those type of numbers? So with Playline, it wasn't, um, it was not binary. So it wasn't like over under. It was like you have to hit a bang fucking on mm. to win, right? So. Um, it was essentially what the lottery is. You pick seven numbers, get them all right, you win that million dollar plus prize. It was the same with Playline, but instead of those seven numbers being random, it was seven stats of athletes, you know, LeBron and Curry, etc. And if you predict all seven right, you win a million bucks on Playline. So we want, want to emulate the same formula as a lottery because everyone knows how to play the lottery. Um, and for us, it wasn't you know it wasn't a gambling pro- product. If you're you're playing props, that's gambling. Right. So there's no skill involved really. It's a game of chance. With playline, you're trying to predict the numbers, you're trying to, you know, there's a lot of data and information and historical data to help determine your answer. Like you know, if LeBron's playing tonight, he averages X all 30 points. But if he's playing a shit team, you know, you have a you can almost weigh the the lottery balls in your favor that you know if he's playing a shit team, maybe he'll score forty, right? So it gives you an edge. And that's where the skill comes in. But ultimately, you know, it's 57 numbers.
0: Now, this is one of the things that kind of caught the attention of one of your other partners, Mark Cuban, was it not?
2: Yes. Well, Mark. the way Mark came in, it's a little bit, you know, actually was about Playline, but it turned out to be something different. So we were doing great. Playline was flourishing. It was a great company. And then pandemic hit. And in one day, if you remember, we lost every sport. Yeah. Football, basketball, hockey. So our revenue went to millions to zero in one day. And we're like, holy fuck, cause there's no sports to bet on. And we had a social media company that we owned some pretty large platforms, one being NBA Means, if, if you know that one on yep. Instagram, with uh, 4 million plus followers. We own that and it was a great asset. And we figured, okay, sports betting, sports going on the back burner right now. Let's focus on our social media business. And right away, we hooked up with Mark and he bought half that company. And none of the rest is history.
0: What's a meeting like that like? Like, do you get in a room with the guy and you think to <laughs> yourself, like, what? We, seriously, I mean, is he intimidating? It's pretty,
2: is- it's pretty fucking cool. So, you know, I always like, I always loved Mark. I loved his, 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 I always like idolized, like, I want to be like that when I grew up. And 10 years ago, I remember watching, you know, I'm 37, so maybe more than 10 years ago, I started watching Shark Tank and I'm like, I want to like, be like that guy. I want to work with that guy. Like, I was just kind of like in the back of my mind always. And then once we connect, I'm like, holy fuck, like I'm talking to Mark Cuban. It was pretty wild. And he's just like such a straight shooter. You know what you're going to get? He's brilliant. He's, he's on another sure. level of business. Like, I've never, I've never heard. I've never seen till this day still. And you know, we spoke to him on a Friday via email with this big and Roy Hibbert on, on the email and such. And by Sunday, half the company was sold to him, wow. it, it was crazy. And then we had, we had, um, we had a, a, a zoom call after that for about an hour. And, you know, Mark came behind, like, I only have 15 minutes. And he just, we just vibed with him. And the first thing he says, like, I love your t-shirt. And I was like a Muhammad Ali t-shirt I was wearing. He's like, I have the same one. And we just kind of vibe. Like, he's a dude. I'm a dude. Like, he loves sure. sports. I love sports. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I realized just, I knew, but like, he's just a guy. That's all he is. He's a very intelligent, smart, driven, ambitious guy. Um, and in that our conversation, like, he knew nothing about our business, but in like a second, we were like dumped. We were dumped down. Like, we, we just like throughout the call. We realized why he's Mark Cuban, why he's with five B's, and why he's achieved what he has because. The guy took our business in, in, in one hour call and made us open the doors to like a whole universe we never even thought of. And like, we're pretty, you know, savvy businessman, but sure, you know, it's like, it's like you're meeting MJ. Like, I don't care how good you are a ball. You, know, you can be, you can be Steph Curry, but like MJ's MJ, right? And, yeah, and he had Next that level. MJ effect on you. Next level, bro. Next level. Yeah.
0: Now you talk about a different universe. Let's talk about NFTs because I'm curious because this is, I think we only, we have the only podcast in the world that covers off all of your spaces. So, I mean, we could have you on pretty much every week. I should be a host (laughs) on this podcast. You you know what? You're more than welcome anytime, man. Let's do it. Right. Uh, Let's talk about NFTs. How did you first get into the NFT space and, and what were some of the first collections you minted?
2: Okay. Good question. So how I got in, Mark, you know, Mark. You know, we, Mark and I got relatively close because you know we were working in the sports space and NBA, and you know it was COVID, so the season wasn't. You know, there was no NBA season, so he was definitely more engaged in, in our business, and he loved social media, he loved sports, so like we kind of you know just bonded on that. And then one day, about January of 2021, he goes to me on email. He said, "We're going all in on NFTs. Like, brace yourself," and I'm like the fuck is NFT? Like, I had no clue. <laughs> nobody knew really at that point. And I remember one of his employees told me the last time Mark said he, he was going in all, all in on something and he put a billion dollars into Amazon, right? So I'm like, okay, well, he's Mark Cuban. Guys, <laughs> the GOAT. I'm sure he knows what he's talking about. And it's so like, I started Googling NFT and there was like nothing there really. And I looked on hashtags on Instagram there was like 1200 hashtags. There was there was no industry wow. yet, and that real I, that kind of like struck a chord in me. I'm like this is what I got to do. This is like this is the this is my legacy. Like I just felt it, and I you know I got at NFT on every social platform, and really like we built the industry from a social perspective. Like we, no one was talking about it when we start we started at NFT on Instagram, right? And we were growing twenty five thousand followers a day. Like we built that to millions of followers, and we brought NFT into the mainstream. It was, it was really uh, quite a ride, i got to say.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I follow you on Twitter, so I know how how active you are on social media when it comes to NFTs. When you look back to the guy who was Googling and finding 1,200 hashtags Dude. to today, what do you think? I mean, that's a short window we're talking
2: about, but that's one, one hell year. of a ride. It was, one, it was one year, and it felt like 100 years. Um, it, it. Dude. It blew my mind. Honestly, I, I didn't realize I can be part of something so special. It, for me, it was a cultural revolution, right? This was our dot com boom, and, and you're probably around my age, and you probably remember we were too young to really capitalize on that. Yeah, and I knew this was our chance. This is the world's changing right now, and I wanted to be part of it, and I wanted to be part of the change. I wanted to write my my history with NFTs, and not necessarily Playline. I love Playline, um, but there was also a lot of other fantasy sports companies and gambling companies that were much bigger and much better than us. We were, we were the best. We were able to be the best in the NFC and it opened doors to, it it changed, it changed my life. It it brought me from like a thousand followers to hundreds of thousands of followers on on social personally. Right. It it put me in, I never wanted to be famous. I never gave a shit. I just like people. I like, you know, if I fuck with you, I fuck with you. If I don't, like fuck off, you know, that's just kind of our role. And, you know, it, 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 it made me like it turned me into somebody, right? It made me this big presence, this influencer, however you want to call it, because I did something great, right? Not because I, you know, I made a sex tape or whatever you want to call it. Like I, I never <laughs> had ambitions to be verified on social media or this and that, but kind of came with the territory.
0: Are you bu- are you bullish on the metaverse? Do you think something like Meta, for example, has a
2: fighting chance to be a, a big player out there in the world of Web three? I, I think everyone has a chance at metaverse because I, I, I think it's so early. Um, am I bullish on it? Absolutely. And I, and I believe it's, it's the future. I wanted to bought my ape. You know, I bought the most expensive ape on set. I'm chain, sorry. My gold ape because I believe that's going to be my digital footprint in the metaverse. You know, I, I invested a lot of money in that because I, I believe in your digital um, footprint and your digital equity is, is your profile picture. You know, when there's a concert The metaverse, and I walk in my gold ape. They're they're gonna stalk the show for me, right? Like, and I understood that, and I and I and I I believe the metaverse is the next frontier, and allows you to be anybody you want to be based on your digital presence. With that said, I don't think anyone knows what the fuck's gonna happen yet. I I think it's still way too early, and that's why I say everybody has a fighting chance. Meta, Twitter, whoever wants to take that claim could be Amazon, and that's the beauty of it. Nobody fucking knows. Whoever's right. telling you they know what's going on in the metaverse, it's
0: they have no about idea. That. Yeah,
2: <laughs> when, when you just like my ever... Google NFT, nobody. yeah, <laughs> nobody but had an
0: idea. Totally, that's the beauty of the
2: world is changing such a cool direction.
0: So, because I cover this space, I get the question a lot from family members who just they don't know, and it's not their fault that they don't know. It's just you know it's not part of their lexicon yet. And I keep telling everybody, this is going to be your world eventually. You're just not there yet. You just haven't yeah. caught up one, do you get sick of family members asking you what the hell NFTs are and what, what the metaverse is? Mm-hmm. And, and do you have like a, a like a stock answer for them so that you, they, they can just kind of be placated in a way?
2: Well, first of all, to answer the last question, Claylings was my first project I ever minted. And still to this day, my favorite project, even beyond- Amazing. Mm-hmm. I own several years, but that is, Claylings is, is like, that's, that's my heart. And, and going back to that, I can't even leave my house without my neighbors just- Swearing me about NFTs, friends, kids, parents, old teachers, like I put like I was just getting bombarded to a point where I had to change my number. Yeah. It, it was just it was too much. If I had like, you know, five people on my DMs just on in- Instagram deflecting and, and it was just thousands of people constantly, because no one understood NFTs and they saw me as you know the face of that NFT, right? So naturally they want to ask me questions, but it was it was like I can't. I have the biggest celebrities on the planet trying to get me to educate them on NFTs. Like, I can't do my neighbors or my friends' kids or you know what I mean. Like it, it got to a point where it's just like I don't even answer anymore. I just ignored. It was too who's much. The big,
0: who's the biggest name that's reached to you to ask you what what the hell it's all about,
2: dude? It, I, I don't. I, I, like I feel like every <laughs> everybody out there has asked me. Like people I have idolized. Athletes have idolized, movie stars have idolized, musicians have idolized. Like, I was talking to, like, I'm a huge Beatles fan. I was talking to the George Martins estate about doing an NFT. Like, it got to a point where, like, Michael Cohen, the former lawyer of Trump, you know, yep. reached out to Cuban saying, I, I want to NFT some documents of Trump. And put Mark naturally introduced them to me as, you know, an NFT guy. <laughs> and, like, He was trying to utilize me when he got out of jail to kind of attack Trump with these damaging letters. Like it it got to such an, I don't, I'm not, I don't get involved in that type of controversy. So I have to say no to him, but it it was mind blowing. every day I had honestly probably 50 to a hundred celebrities hitting me up for a year straight. You know, it got to a point where I started ignoring the celebrities because it was just too much. Yeah. What's
0: the most exciting project you've seen recently? The one that's really blown you away, caught your attention.
2: So I feel like everything's kind of been the same for a while with the PFPs and, and, uh, you know, renditions or, you know, derivatives of Apes and this and that. But I feel like the one cool project I've seen lately that's been novel and and different. And I see the space taking the art space of NFT in a different direction would probably be um, Invisible Friends. Okay, it's a pretty cool project. Right. It's, you know, it's 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 a gift more than just like a 2D or 3D piece of art, um, and, and, and perhaps that's the next evolution of what NFTs are going to be, because it's gone in waves. We're just started with one-on-one artists at the beginning, where those were just selling stupid numbers. Um, then that slowed down, and PFPs, the ten thousand collection, kind of took over. Um, and now you're seeing more of like, um, you know. In, in, invisible friends and a little bit more. Um, well, they're always community-based, but a little bit more alive, I should say. Dark.
0: I I asked you off the top before we even started rolling on this, but I want to ask the question because I, I, you know, you know when you get to a certain level when shit starts to happen around you, and there were there were reports out that you were no longer among us here on this earth. Do you want to talk a little bit about <laughs> that? Because i'm reading this and i'm like wait a minute i just started following this guy on social media and now he's fucking dead and then <laughs> and it's like and then you kind of clapped back and said no i'm right here i'm tweeting i thought okay thank god he's still around that's a good thing but
2: what what was your reaction when you heard that news i think someone wants me dead <laughs> <laughs> I, I like someone someone googled or, so, no sorry someone messaged my wife thinking i died because they googled my name and there was obituaries I'm like, what? An obituary? What the? F-? And it said like, basically, the day NFT went down on Instagram, they ah. connect, they they basically said like that was my my death date. but they right. wrote an obituary. They you know they put on like you Google my name, but it was like top thing. Like there was a couple links of like the death of Jason Talavich, and I was like, people go to an extreme lengths <laughs> to try to. <laughs> down man <laughs> that's
0: crazy people don't well, like
2: to see others win i don't know man i love pe- i love seeing people around me win um yeah i did something special and i see i grew the biggest brand in space i brought it into the world like whether you love me or hate me that, that's what i like you can't take that away from me
0: no and I'm, we're glad you're here to tell your story and to have a conversation you are welcome back anytime my friend uh i love i, it, I thank you so much for awesome. giving us a little hometown love here on Guaranteed Money. A little Toronto love. Jason Falovich, co-founder at NFT, Playline, so, Leverage Game Media. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks for doing it today, man.
2: Let's do studio next time, man. I love, I love what you're all about. I respect your hustle, man. Your grind. Um, and I'll definitely be back for sure.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. And you know, we've got something pretty exciting to uh, announce on the next podcast. I'm going to give you a little tease on that. A way you can get involved in the show and perhaps Money's walk that away been. with some money. It's, never not bad. Bad. it's not a bad thing. We're going to tell you a little bit about that. Money's never bad. And if it means, you know, you're you're part of our community and part of our circle. Well, that's where we want you to be. So we're looking forward to that. We're going to be in Las Vegas next week for the start of March Madness, if you can believe it. This seems like something we've talked about and discussed uh, for a while, but we're going to bring you some great feature interviews. Some great CEOs and corporate execs are going to join us. And what a backdrop, Anthony, at Las Vegas, beginning of March Madness. I've done it yeah. twice before. I'm looking uh, forward to it. not pants. looking forward to it. That's what I would say. If you have a pair. They're not at the cleaners. I'm, cleaner I'm, I'm looking
1: forward to it, just not the duration. Not, <laughs> what do you mean that we're there for Wednesday through uh, Wednesday through Sunday? <laughs> I was in Vegas once for a conference. I shit you not. You just I was yourself. in Vegas once for a this. conference that yourself. my partner and I were putting on. I didn't leave Caesar's Palace for three days because we the conference was there. We were staying there, and then we ate there every night as well, and it was just crazy. Didn't leave the didn't go walk out the front door for three days of just being in Caesar's Palace. So 5 days in the uh in in Vegas just bouncing around, it's going to be a uh, a marathon.
0: I'm going to blow your mind for a second. I once oh, wow. did college football a week and a half bowl week, so I did a week and a half. That's the longest yeah. I've ever done in Vegas. I've done a yeah, week yeah. and a half in Vegas. And I know what you're talking about. The hotel becomes your own ecosystem. Right? You wake up, you've got your routines, you see the same people, you're eating dinner, you're eating breakfast oh, yeah. there. You're in the sports book. It's phenomenal, though. I, but by the end of it, I don't. I don't think I had a drink <laughs> or basically yeah, yeah. any fatty foods oh, yeah. for about. I like after a detox after because time. you kill your system. You just kill your system. Uh, so speak speaking of March, you need a detox after that. Speaking of March Madness, uh, let's get into it. The conference tournaments get underway in earnest this week. I made three plays, so I've really skimmed down my list. I'm going to give it to you. Uh, these are these are the plays that I've made, and you let me know what you think. To win the ACC. I think after Duke losing to North Carolina, this thing is a crapshoot. I look at a team like Duke. They've got a tougher path through to the finals of this tournament. They're going to have to battle against the likes of Miami. I know you're, you love the Canes. Uh, I think that's going to be tough for <laughs> That's going to be tough. There's the you right there. Um, that's going to be tough for Duke. And I think the other side could be, you know, interesting to say the least. Virginia Tech is sitting there at plus nine hundred. They're a team that I've looked at. I've read about. I, I think that they are. They're deadly. They've got the right combination. They do it for me. Plus nine hundred Virginia Tech in the Big Ten. This is going to sound crazy talk. I just like what Michigan's doing. I, just I don't like know. What I, to Michigan's be honest,
1: doing. basketball, football. Every time you I get like bullish Michigan's on like Michigan, so somehow they just underperform, and it's they've done it. Yeah, they've done it to me historically. Um, I know they're pretty good Bites this year, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna go with your professional opinion on that. They've literally any time in football I've gotten bullish on them or been like, hey, Michigan's hot in the tournament. They 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 fuck me every time.
0: Yeah, I look at Wisconsin. Wisconsin, you know, they they limped in when it comes to winning the, the splitting the, the big team yeah. championship. That game against Nebraska. I mean, who's losing to Nebraska in today's world? Okay, but they did. I don't love. I'm not strong on Illinois. Michigan State has kind of been all over the map for me. I like Michigan plus 1,200. I don't think you can beat that. That's a big, solid number on the board. And very quickly, the other tournament that I'm looking at, Big East Conference tournament, I like UConn at plus 325. Uh, I'm off of Creighton. I know I said I like Creighton a couple of weeks ago. I'm off of Creighton. I'm into UConn, solid pedigree, blue chip school, plus 325. That's a solid number for me. Are you looking at anything for the Do you tournament have anything in mind, big either tournament for the tournaments whole, or for the big I'm tournament I'm sticking itself. with Kentucky
1: as my as my team to basically win the dance. And to be honest, from an odds perspective, I like the plus six thousand. I'm taking Bama um, to, uh, to 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 come out of nowhere as just a out of their pick. I'd also take Bama as an underdog to win the SEC. Um, even though Kentucky and Auburn are pretty, pretty stout. Um, Bama just looks good. They're clicking. And I mean, I think they could they could surprise people. I think this tournament's up for grabs. I don't think there's a clear cut bona fide. There's no LeBron James. There's no Kevin Durant. I do too. Um, type player that that's really in there. Um, otherwise, I would take that team and just ride them. But yeah, I mean, I think this is I think this is wide open
0: yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. and again, I, I'm going to hammer this point home. I'm going to hammer it home when we're in Vegas, hopefully to a profit. yeah. I think you're looking at a four and a five seed perhaps meeting in the final or at least being around oh, yeah. in that in that final four bracket. Yeah. I know obviously you usually have an upset or, or two. There's going to be a lot of upsets. A lot of these younger schools, you look at St. Mary's a couple of weeks ago. They beat Gonzaga. They put it they put them behind the woodshed. I think there's a real opportunity here for a longer shot. So think about that. Uh, When you're filling out your brackets, as I said, we're going to have a great announcement on the next podcast where you could walk away with some cash. Next week, we're going to be down in Las Vegas for the start of March Madness, where all the madness begins. We're looking forward to bringing you that. And of course, leave a comment if you think, you know, athletes should bet, should be wagering, should be part of the process. Was Calvin Ridley, did he, was he done dirty here? We'll, we'll talk about it in the comments as well with you. Pleasure. This has been the Guaranteed Money Podcast yep, from same. TDR. it's always a pleasure. Looking forward to seeing you next week, my man. Subscribe to Guaranteed Money wherever you get your podcasts and find out more details at thedalesreport.com. Don't forget also to check out our YouTube channel for more content.